1: 2020 season now memory and it is time to learn from the lessons and find some answers to the questions and so begins the process of those answers welcome into the bears all access show brought to you by igs energy with my broadcast partner from wbbm News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Mr. Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. Happy you've joined us tonight. Special thanks to our producers, Jordan Tredup, Dan Barilli, and Jordan Malley. Coming up at 610, former Bears quarterback and Sirius XMNFL radio host, Jim Miller will join us for a few segments. And here we go. We're off and running on a new season already, Time Doesn't take long, yeah. does
2: it? You know, it, it, it seems like, you know, Jeff, it, is everything focused right now, the 20th pick in the draft, and then everything revolves around that. What type of um, you know player trades can you put together? How much value does that retain? Is there other players that you have in your sights that you may have to move around and possibly try to attach yourself to? So from this point on, from the conclusion of the season, when you understand what your draft capital is, how many picks you have – the investigative work, the scouting—that that all starts to take place throughout. Kind of how we don't know how what the routine of it is going to be with the pandemic type of off season, and then it's, it's all about you know what do we, what do you identify as your your biggest need either that can get onto the field at the quickest process. Yeah, so we'll
1: look at that throughout the course of this evening. Tonight, we're going to look at both sides of the football on uh, some key issues and position-by-position group to see what uh, the experts think here. Tom Thayer and when Jim joined us as well. But, you know, since that loss to the Saints, the focus in the building is on a plan to get back to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. And everyone, Tommy, fans, media, analysts, the hierarchy in the building, they all have differing opinions on how to get that done, of course. Uh, but, you know, you, you can't make decisions based on outside opinion or pressure or heat or whatever. Most of the time, that doesn't work in any business. So you got to take care of your own, and you have been there uh, every day as a, as a leadership group. You've worked with each other. you got to figure that out. So I've always felt that way, and I've always been a guy that does like to not be so quick uh, to make decisions like that because – over time you gotta have some guys that you believe in, you gotta work through the process and work through the mistakes. And if you really believe in them, you gotta you gotta ride with them because it's it's proven over the course of time that some of these situations and other franchises, they've stuck with it and it's it's they've gone through some tough times and sometimes it doesn't work, sometimes it does. But when it does, it's it's really good.
2: Right. You know, in the whole process of the last couple of days, because I'm a Bears fan, I'm an alumni, and I'm a season ticket holder, there was some things in there that maybe I didn't agree with. But then after, it's like everything shut down and you just kind of had to materialize everything that was said. Okay, the changes aren't going to be made that some people wanted. So now it's about finding solutions. Everything, that whole conversation is in the rearview mirror, folks. And so now it's about What do you need to make the Bears the team that you guys are talking about? How do you make this team a playoff contender? How do you create that culture that these guys feel is positive coming out of the locker room on game day is any other day of the week? So it is about solutions now after the process of the beginning of the uh, a pre- or postseason has begun.
1: And today, uh, Chairman of the Board, George McCaskey, joined a couple of afternoon shows uh, here in town, including right here on The Score with Danny Parkins and Mark Grody, and consistent with yesterday's message, Tom, and process uh, with his annual review, the job functions, the titles, and all that is involved with it. Uh, he was also asked if it's a must-win season uh, by the guys, and the, the evaluation, though, will always be broad when it comes uh, to how George... Handles this, and it's not necessarily as he indicated a go to the playoffs or else mandate because every season's a must win go to the playoffs, win a super Bowl mandate in the minds of everybody that once you start that process,
2: yeah, but I mean I'll disagree, I think it is a must win season um I don't care about all the the back, the finan or the contract situation to me is i don't know if you can go up there and, and and readdress the the media like you did after a losing season and try to say everything is okay i do think it's about you've got you've got this the management in place for a period of time that you have to go out there and you have to strike and you got to strike now and it's got you got to sit there and be your, be in control of your division opportunities and put yourself in a playoff race. Um, and I don't know, is that the season ticket holder in me or is that the Bears fan talking? Because I'm I, I'm serious when I say that, Jeff. Because every time I hear the subject matter about the bears i do have to i do think about it in three different ways and it's just not a clear cut yes no get rid of sign yeah, right. you know fantasy amount of money type of decision because it, it's just not the case
1: yeah it, it's 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 not ever as black and white as as people sometimes want it to be and it's just there's a lot of extenuating circumstances and there's a lot that we're not privy to either, as as uh, even our positions as the play-by-play crew and as much time as we we spend uh, in talking about it and working with those folks. And this year, obviously, in a different format, not able to be in the building uh, much at all or even to see, you know, much of training camp practices. Hopefully that's all, all going to change. Now, a new defensive coordinator will be coming with no Chuck Pagano after he uh, elected to retire. Uh, long career in coaching for Chuck, and he's uh, seen a lot, been through a lot, done a lot, been successful all along the way. But now now the search for a defensive coordinator, what would you, either internal or otherwise, what type of defense do you want to see for the Bears, and do you want the, just the, the continuation of a 3-4 defense and the style of player, do you – Look at all angles to this based on the talent you currently have and what you want as a franchise.
2: You know, Jeff, you and I have been around long enough for the transition in the NFL defenses. The numbers that you put before your name as defensive coordinator are really irrelevant. Yeah, you can be have a style, you can have your roots, but it's about the type of personnel that you're facing on the offensive side of the ball. So you're never going to play one style of defense continuously, and so what Chuck Pagano has morphed through in the NFL, he had a good understanding. But the first trait, the first requirement, the first idea that I'm going to put in my players' head as a defensive coordinator is a physical style of tackling, a physical approach to the game. Because as disappointed as I am to say this, I think the last two weeks. The defenses as a whole played more physical than the Bears' defense, and I think they played more physical than the Bears' offense they were playing against. And to me, as a Bears alumni, that was the really frustrating part of it because when I saw Green Bay coming to Soldier Field and some of the hits that they were delivering early in that game, they were setting the tone, and that tone rung throughout the night.
1: Yeah, and that was the intended impression the Bears wanted to make is to really be a physical team. Uh, for that game and for the season. In fact, George McCaskey uh, years ago said he'd he'd like to have a monsters in the midway type, aggressive, nasty defense where teams had a fear about coming into town, knowing that they'd have to deal with a lot of physicality, and they're going to be hurting after they, again, win, lose, or draw, and that's the kind of defense I think we all would like to see. All right, coming up next, Jim Miller would join the program. We'll take our first break. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, glad you're joining us tonight as we break down the 2020 season and look ahead. Now joined by our special guest, Jim Miller, former Bears Chicago quarterback and also host on Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88, Moving the Chains with Pat and Big Jim, how you doing?
3: Jeff, Tom, good to talk to you guys. Good to be with you again. Wish uh, could have been a little bit further into the postseason that the Bears could have marched though.
1: Right about that, and we and we got away with not seeing you one time the entire year. How did that happen, it's- Jim? It's- it's unbelievable.
3: I, w- I would always, you know, I'd always watch uh, your show after after Lou and I do the the morning pregame show. I always tuned in uh, for your guys' pregame show. So I did see you guys. It just wasn't in
1: person, and it wasn't the same. That's yeah. For sure. Hopefully that'll change. That was a one off. Let's please pray that's a one off when we get back all together the way it normally is, uh, Jim. Let, let's dig right in, uh, and we're going to be with you here for a couple of segments. So we'll we'll take our time through things. But uh, I'm not certain if you had a chance to. to uh, Listening to the entire news conference yesterday, uh, but overall, uh, what was your takeaway from the snippets you may or may not have heard uh, from from the Bears brain trust yesterday?
3: Yeah, I, I think you know it's nothing that that surprised me. I know a lot of people want they just want rash decisions. Me, oh, somebody's got to go, and I, I just didn't think that that was going to be the case. Uh, for whether it's Ryan Pace or or Matt Nagy, you can't you know they go to the playoffs uh, two out of their three years here with Matt Nagy as the head coach. I just didn't think there would be any moves going in, in that direction. And I think uh, whether it's George McCaskey or or Ted Phillips or, or even Ryan Pace, I think they all acknowledge need more production out of the offensive side of the ball, specifically the the quarterback position. I think more needs to, to be done there and I think they're going to do their due diligence to to try and solidify that and get that done here this offseason.
2: Jim, when you think about this team and you think about the the different qualities of the quarterbacks that are here right now and let's throw Tyler Bray in there. Do you think that you need to teach one system the one style of athlete in order to get the most coaching volume out of the hours that you're spending with each of these players, or are you okay with a you know a multi-dimensional at, attack that some of the, you know you, you saw what it did in um, Philadelphia and you know just other other teams along the way?
3: Yeah, I, well, I'm I'm always a big believer in being multiple. I think the the more you can do, it 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 creates more problems for a defense and what they have to prepare for. But the bottom line is this: you can only do And your playbook's got to be geared to what your players can do. You know, I I think we understand. Nick Foles is a different – you're going to call different plays for Nick Foles than what you're going to call for Mitch Trubisky. And I think the Bears did get to that when Bill Lazor started to incorporate more bootlegs and play actions and half rolls and and things like that. But the problem is, why did it take so long to get there? I think uh, that has to be, you know, better for, for the Bears moving forward in order to be more productive. At the position, Let, let's face it, guys. You, you got you guys both know you're not going to win many games scoring 16 points a game. You just you're you're not, and the Bears defense can average you know hold teams down uh, to that. So the Bears average has to get up there points per game minimum of 25 26 27 points a game where you really have a great chance to to win in this league and I think they're capable of doing that absolutely they're capable of doing that they just got to make a couple of adjustments and we'll see who comes in as the the defensive coordinator if they can keep that uh, rocking from that uh, standpoint because I I definitely feel the Bears defense is good enough the offense has got to get up to the standard of where the defense is
2: well, what what lasting impression in the last couple of games as closely as you had a chance to watch them for the Bears? Did the Bears' defense leave on, leave on you? Because right before the last segment ended, I was kind of tell you, I was a little frustrated about how the opponent, Green Bay two weeks ago, New Orleans last week, they kind of brought a more physical approach in their style of defense. And so I, I, I think that needs to be recovered in a part of the Bears, and that when the teams play this this defense, they know who they yeah. just played.
3: I, I thought towards the end of the regular season, I thought the Bears' defense was getting worn out because they're they're just they're on the field too long, too long. I mean, something's got to give when you're logging that many snaps uh, per game. And so I think that was reflected, and then you don't have uh, Jalen Johnson out there, and a the couple of the injuries that that happened to the Bears that I thought were were crucial to that team. They started to lose their numbers, um, but I thought they responded nicely against New Orleans. I mean, that's an offense that averages sixteen uh, or thirty over thirty points a game, and I thought the Bears completely neutered them. You know, you can't ask more of an effort when you go into the halftime, 7-3 to three against the New Orleans Saints, and you get a turnover, and you cause uh, 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 New Orleans to punt. I mean, that was
1: a winnable performance, in my opinion, for, yeah, for but the you know what? defense. Can I interrupt? The only thing about that, that's all well and good, but, you know, Drew Brees – he was in total control. They may not have scored a lot of points, but for to have the football for almost 39 minutes, you're not beating Drew Brees. So, the 11 of 17 on third down, that that can't happen. I you wear you. your own self out, and I know they got away with it early in the season, but uh, yeah, he he just was doing what he wanted to do, and that is he doesn't want to go downfield right now anyway because he either can't or 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 won't, and he, he relies on his guys to make yards after the catch. So that aspect of things, how do you stop an offense that's sole intention of bleeding you to death? I mean, that that's really the question defensively. I
3: thought they did what they need to do. Again, you cause a turnover. You cause, like here, I, I was disappointed the Bears uh, d- deferred the football. I'm like, man, why, why don't you want the ball for that those very reasons, Jeff? Time of possession, keep, keep your offense out on the field. That's one less possession for Drew Brees is what you're thinking. If you can just, you know, time of possession and take care of the football. Bears elected to not do that. The first opening kickoff, the Bears forced them to punt. Yeah, and Granted, they were 11-17, but the bottom line is what you score. They missed a field goal, but the Bears did what they needed to do on defense to keep that score down in order to give an ineffective offense a chance for a win. The problem is it didn't work out that way. Bears couldn't get the time of possession. All the things that uh, reared their ugly head again from earlier in the season. Bears didn't run enough plays offensively. They couldn't stay on the field. They were zero for eleven, uh, whatever it was on on third down. All the things you can't do against the New Orleans Saints uh, to keep uh, to allow them to keep their offense out on the field, and then ultimately, I do think the Bears' defense wore down in that, in that second half, and that's kind of been the the story the the entire year for the Chicago Bears. Well,
2: what do you you know, Jim? What do you think it is priority number one for the defense? I know we'll spend a lot enough time this offense or this off season talking about the offense. But when you, you look at that game and you think of young guys like Jalen Johnson, you think of the experience at Vildor and, and um, uh, Duke Shelley got, and you think of the Kyle Fuller being a young guy and, you know, the talent, a young Roquan Smith being a young guy. You know, when you look at the offenses around the NFL, Outside the defensive coordinator, what's need number one for the defense?
3: Um, I would think probably they're getting older at linebacker. I would think Danny Trevathan. How much more does he have left in the tank? I think they'll continue to, to draft that position because once Roquan got hurt, and Josh Woods, and they rotated some guys in there. I think you you could see the the difference from that standpoint. I like the young Bears secondary players. I thought uh, Jalen Johnson really stood up well prior to his shoulder injury. I mean, he was the most targeted corner uh, in the league uh, prior to him going out, and I thought he did a, a fine job. They're still really good up front. You know, I think with, with Khalil Mack, it's disappointing. I think we expected more from Robert Quinn. Uh, he had flashes, but I don't think the type of impact uh, uh, everybody expected a little bit more. But I would think once they get any Goldman back and you've got uh, uh, Akeem Hicks, like what we've seen from uh, Bilal Nichols, and I think all the other guys, Brent Urban, they, they were a nice little rotation in there. So I still think they can have a formidable front seven and they were playing a really good caliber of football and, until they started to get uh, beat up and on the field too much and guys started to drop. But I think they've got a nucleus, you know. but it's just one or two positions, and I think it's more depth-related for the Chicago
1: Bears uh, defensively. There's not much to do. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score with Sirius XM NFL radio host Jim Miller on Moving the Chains with Pat Kerwin and former Bears quarterback and Bears analyst as well. Good to talk to you once again. Uh, we're going to take a break as we move on. Jim's going to stick around for a couple of segments. you got time for that, right? Absolutely, guys. All right, Big Jim. I know he's been working all day, Tom, while well, you've been just lounging. You had your feet up all day. I know you did. I know oh, you did. Right, no way. <laughs> now, I was... now there's no game to get ready for. What are you doing all your time, Tom?
2: I still have a lot of pent up anger I'm trying to work myself through.
1: <laughs> you and I you and I both depressive anger, I guess. This is Bears all access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Our friends Anthony Adams and Lawrence Creedon cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 1035 on Fox 32 Chicago or watch anytime at chicagobears.com around the Bears official app. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer. Jim Miller joining us, the former Chicago Bears quarterback. Hey, Jim, we're going to break. Here's what I want to do, if it's okay with you guys. Let's let's focus on the offense in this segment. and Jim, you hang with us. After the next one, we'll talk defense. Let's kind of go position by position. we got to start with quarterback. We've already touched on it. It's number one. It's always going to be number one. It's been assumed by the conversation yesterday from Matt and Ryan. They're, they're going to be looking at all options, everything on the table, including Mitch. Uh, but, Jim, how do you look at it? Do you, do, you, do you see fits here still for Mitch and Nick Foles, or do you want to – Start over at that position. What, well, what think, would you think is best?
3: Yeah, I, I think they're probably going to start over. I would think Mitch is going to test his, you know, what he can get in in free agency. Well, he'll go test the uh, the market waters out there and see what's uh, available. I mean, he may potentially could return to the Bears if the if the numbers right, but I, I just don't see it happening. I think the landscape of quarterbacks around the NFL is going to be much like it was last year, meaning there's going to be a lot available that it's going to be out there. There's going to be some moves. Some guys are going to be released. Um, There's going to be plenty of market uh, for players that are out there, and I think the Bears will look to potentially draft one as well. You know, I saw Mac Jones. He elected to declare today. I don't think he's a first rounder, but I think at some point the Bears, if they're not thinking of drafting a quarterback in the first round with where they're at, they'd have to trade up to to get one of the top guys. I don't see that happening. So maybe later in the draft, the Bears will address uh, the quarterback position and draft it. Because you know, when I see Mac Jones, I, I just don't see. I see a guy who can definitely play and he's there's a lot to like about him, but I, I don't think there's a first round on him. At least maybe I got to do more homework on him, but I just don't see him that way. There's other guys like Kirk Cousins who've been drafted in the fifth round and he's starting for Minnesota. You can still draft guys that ultimately can, can, can become starters, but I see a veteran leading the Chicago Bears as the season uh, kicks off next year. That's how I see it.
2: Yeah, are you asking me the same question? Yeah, 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 because I'm going to kind of go position by position here. Well, you know, to me, okay, I I, I would want to stick with Mitch. And the reason I would want to stick with Mitch is because, to me, not what was said yesterday, this is an ultimatum year. And so now if you bring in a new quarterback that you have to learn a new system that he's you, it seems like you're always giving that one year grace period when you have a new quarterback because he's got to learn this system. He's got to be able to understand it well enough to run this offense as efficiently as you need it. Their best way to run this offense as efficiently as it needed. It's with Trubisky. And I I just think if you come in here and you bring another free agent in, it's going to be a matter of time before you can say, okay, this guy knows our system well enough to go out there and compete at a playoff level. Look, I'm not not talking about anything other than playoffs. So if you want to get the best way to what you already spent three years installing – to the point where you want to go out there and compete your your defense has to play better and your offense has to play as efficient as it did in those those later uh, the, the games later in the season.
1: Jim, isn't it interesting? You play the position your whole life and these are the kind of conversations that are going on in every single NFL yeah. well, franchise uh, that doesn't have a franchise quarterback in place and they know they're they're going to ride with that guy and they were talking about you the same way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and, and I, poking I, holes in you and figuring uh, it out. Hey, yeah. you know, is this a fit? Is he the guy they're going to lead us to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I, I love
3: a lot of things about Mitch. I think he's a tough guy. I think he's he's won games. But here's what I don't like. I don't like the first play of last week's game against New Orleans. That should have been an interception by Janoris Jenkins. I don't like the, the week second, before. Second play, Jeff. Second play. Yeah. Second play. It should have been an interception. I don't like the red zone interceptions on first down. You can't win with that. You can't win in the NFL when you're 31st in the NFL in third down conversions. That's why you time of possession is basically dominated by the opponent every single week. It, the, there are certain situations where he's got to be better. Now, can he be better moving forward? The Bears may ultimately make that decision. I don't know. But as of right now, it's not good enough to win. It's not good enough to win. He's very talented, and he's got a lot of work to do uh, to get better. And, and whether that's in Chicago or, or somewhere else, either way, those, two, those things have to improve from his game.
1: All right. Let's talk Allen Robinson. Free agency is something uh, that he has earned in terms of what he's done on the field. He had a chance after his injury. He chose the Bears. He said that this was where he wanted to be. He felt most comfortable. Could have had. You did have other chances to go elsewhere. Uh, is it a guarantee that you have to invest in Allen right now, or do you still weigh the market a little bit, Jim?
3: Um, I think you're still always looking at, at the market. I mean, because if they were to lose him, who would be their surefire number one right now? They've drafted some players that, that really haven't em, em, emerged yet. I think Darnell Mooney has, but still need to see more from Anthony Miller. How about Ridley? Is, is he able to step up and really uh, uh, take over that role? So I would say that, that is yet to be determined from that standpoint. See, you know, for, for Robinson, one, you get, there's going to be negotiations between his agents. And obviously, if they don't like where the number is, the Bears just franchise him. So you pay him a one-year, eighteen million bucks, and and you you move on and live with that from from that standpoint. So the Bears still can retain his rights if they don't agree on a contract, and that's simple. You just place the tag on him.
2: You know, for me, I'm not going to pay him high end of the market. I'm going to pay Alan Allen Robinson is not a game breaker. But he's a great contributor to, to your offense. He's not a guy that's going to catch it and go 85 yards you know, for, for a touchdown run. However, I love Allen Robinson's commitment to the game. I love the difficult catches he's willing to make, the difficult positions he's willing to put his body in. But I also need a negotiation out of Allen Robinson that he could possibly finish his career here. But if you're going out there to ask for the number one, number two receiver in the NFL – I, I just don't see that yeah. value in him, but I I, I like Allen. I would bring him back just on his work ethic, but again, I need a, a sensibly negotiated financial agreement to him.
3: Totally agree, and the one thing I do love about Allen Robinson, what he stands for, what he represents, and what he's all about. You want guys like that on your yes. team. Yes,
1: oh he's tremendous in the you know he's tremendous for the locker room tremendous for that receiver group and uh just a no-nonsense guy who always wants to be great he wants to improve and uh he just does a lot of great things some of his catches are outstanding and third down as it wasn't great all year for the bears that was my only negative really that the third down production wasn't there at that position either and it got better as the season wore on but uh you know, got to move the chains, and that's what what he's very good at as well. All right, we'll have time uh, for a co- let's hit the offensive line. We'll go Tommy's way right now. Learned a lot about the interior. Learned a lot, a lot about those guy Those five guys at the end of the year. Uh, Where are you looking at with the offensive line?
2: Um, I, you know, I again, I always like a more physical approach to the style of offensive line play today. I think they came in and did a really nice job. I think Sam Muster for was the real settler for this offensive line. But I think now you have to look at all, you know, all the components. You have to look at Arlington Hambright, LaCavious Simmons. You have to look at James Daniels. You have to look at what you want to do with Jermaine and Where is Bobby Massey's future going to lie? Where What do you want to do with Charles Leno? So I think, you know, you, you got to make, you, it's all about the pieces that you have to put in place. And then how competitive then can you make them and how competitive can they keep you? Because if you're going to, whatever you want to do at the quarterback position, if you can't call complement a quarterback, that's already here or an incoming quarterback with a real high caliber offensive threatening running game, it's going to be hard to develop the entire system, time of possession and the quarterback. So um, I again, I, I need a. I like a more physical style, more physical
3: approach.
1: Jim, the, the good news is, despite the changes and uh, the injury to Daniels, you did learn a lot more maybe about your depth than you would have otherwise. Yeah, I, I thought,
3: you know, when they finally moved White here to left guard, that was kind of the straw that stirred, stirred the drink and they got it going offensively and their commitment to, to running the football thought mustford did a nice job coming in but they'll get daniels back they can reshuffle that interior i would think probably you might be moving on from from bobby massey at the right tackle spot so i mean overall i do think they've got some depth with some versatile guys but i think they'll be adding probably potentially another right tackle uh here this offseason
1: all right let's go tight end running back as a as a duo uh, in the in a in the sense of time here uh jimbo Uh, Development from Cole Komet led all rookies in in yardage and I think catches as well and really shows a ruggedness to him that will really, if there was a home crowd, they would have loved the way he played with a feistiness and he got more confident as the season went on to show that kind of aggressive nature. Uh, He had Chicago written all over him and then so did David Montgomery.
3: Yeah, I thought David was uh, tremendous, obviously, the second half of the year. He finished only uh, for for the second half of the season, second to only uh, Derrick Henry. I think in his uh, rushes and the amount of rushing yards that he had. Uh, so that's how well of a clip he was playing at. Now, Cole Komet, that you mentioned, I think the ceiling's high for him. I think he needs to protect the football a little bit more uh, after the catch and, and things like that. But those are little things that he's going to work on and he's going to continue to grow and he's going to be better. And I love his blocking and everything he brings to the table there. So, you know, I, I like what I saw. Two young draft picks that are emerging and trending in the right direction when you look at those players.
2: Yeah, I like Cole Komet's blocking because I thought that was going to be the immediate evaluation of him. If he can be a sufficient blocker, he can get on the field for more reps earlier. However, his receiving career going forward is going to be a second, third-level receiver. I I, I like the passes that he can catch at or near the line of scrimmage and convert into yards, but I think he's a better athlete and he's more talented to get downfield against linebackers or safeties or insufficient cornerback coverage and make use of his talent for lengthier pass plays.
1: And I'll just end uh, this segment with this on Jimmy Graham. Uh, He really showed me a lot in that second half of the season. Uh, Really was committed to blocking. And, you know, we're an offense that is still trying to really evolve into scoring touchdowns or regularity. He had nine touchdowns. And uh, he's a Red Jones machine. I don't care what age he is. The guy just knows how to catch the ball in the red zone, and that was significantly important. And uh, Cole Komet grew up loving that guy. I think it's a great duo right there. All right, let's take our another break. When we come back, we'll talk defense and uh, get Jim's opinion on the hiring of Urban Meyer moments ago in Jacksonville. We'll get all that taken care of as well. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, Jim Miller, former Chicago Bears quarterback from SiriusXM NFL Radio. We're talking Bears and ahead here. Not looking behind anymore because that's uh, that book is closed. Time to start looking at a 2021 and what they're going to do. Let's talk defense. We've already touched on it early in the show, so it all begins right now with a new coordinator. And I, before you joined us, Jim, I, I asked Tom if he'd like to maintain the same system, or do you, or do you think outside the box, or do you go in in the building and you promote somebody so that everybody doesn't have to learn a new new system, new language, language, and what now? What's your opinion?
3: Um, I would think you you've got a lot of investment in already what it is with the the three four. So I I, I don't think that they would change from from that standpoint, right? Because uh, Mac, you just signed obviously uh, Robert Quinn that we mentioned to be another outside backer. So I I just don't see it changing from that standpoint. I think plus I think it offers more versatility. when We look at three four. It's split throughout the league you know obviously there are teams in postseason that that run both that you know 4-3 and 3-4 can both win but I just think with what they've drafted you think they continue with a 3-4 there's guys that are out there you know Jimmy Schwartz he's run a 3-4 before it's not you know he runs a 4-3 in in uh, Philly but he's no longer there and he's not on under contract but I mean th- that's easy for him to do and he's done it before when you look at Jim Schwartz. So there are plenty of guys out there that they could tab or hire or elevate from within, whether it's the D-line coach uh, of the Bears or whoever they're, they're thinking about. Plus, there's other guys that have a lot of 3-4 background. I think Gerard Mayo, uh, the Patriots, just interviewed for Philadelphia, uh, as a matter of fact. They run a 3-4 in New England. So I think there will be plenty of guys that they could identify and go after if they want to
1: go outside the building. And, Tom, the biggest key, I think we just want more physicality and more takeaways.
2: Yeah. You know, the thing about it is if you're going to identify a different style of defense and you got to start identifying different players, you need to fit in different positions because Roquan Smith, is he a Mike linebacker? He's not an outside linebacker in a four three defense. So I think to Jim's point, that's why you got to try to keep in house because that's the personnel that you've built this system around in the last couple of years. And again, yeah, I want it to be more physical and you know, the, it's really the the, um, the impression that Green Bay's defense left on me after that game was their physicality was from the defensive backs to the front end, and, and it just it just amazed me that they were able to to do that and they were willing to do it. And then when I went to, when I watched the New Orleans defense, I saw the New Orleans defense more physical up front than the back end. So I I just I need some like you need that defensive approach that leaves an indelible mark of every team that you play and the teams that you play twice a year, they don't want to see you anymore.
1: So we heard yesterday that, uh, Khalil Mack, we knew he was in the injury report a lot this season, but he played through a shoulder injury, still had nine sacks, three taken away by penalty, created a lot of sacks for other, other players on the team throughout the course of the season, at least eight and a half by my count. And then just the overall presence, what he requires, uh, As long as he is healthy and Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson come back to form, being that takeaway threat back there in the post, Jim, as you get every level of the defense, and, of course, Keem Hicks up front, stay healthy as well. I mean, that's some big names to build around. You feel good about filling in some other areas, getting Eddie Goldman back, Jalen's second year. I mean, there's a a lot invested, obviously, there, and whether the salary cap makes that problematic, I don't know. Uh, but what's your take? Yeah, no, I think you're you're right. You got plenty
3: of good pieces that you can build around. I think it's the, they have a solid foundation on that defensive side of the ball. The turnover issue, right. I, I'm with you. That that's got to get better. I I personally don't think Eddie Jackson, Jackson played to his standard this year. I think he knows he's he's capable of more and he's and he's capable uh, of playing better. I think he was uh, at some point uh, frustrated this year. But I I do think the foundational players are there. I think getting Eddie Goldman back is a huge get back in terms of what he offers uh, that defensive line. And like you said, with Akeem Hicks, you've got good leaders there. They're foundational players. And now you just pick up more pieces uh, for depth. You know, if Buster Screen moves on, you like Duke Shelley. You got other guys that can fill in at the nickelback. Maybe you draft another young uh, 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 defensive back this year that can can shore up and, and continue that depth. But you know, all those guys filled in on special teams, and they they played pretty well. I think, on the defensive side of the ball.
1: But the foundational pieces are there, I believe. Tom, Deshaun to Gibson, I thought he played really really well in that game and over the course of the year. You know, it's been a rotational position, obviously, since Adrian Amos left. Would you like to reinvest in him? He signed a one-year deal last year.
2: Yeah, I would because he's he's really accepted a leadership role immediately. As soon as training camp started and that defense needed a spokesman that has successful experience – It was Deshaun Gibson, and he stood up there at the podium and and answered every question during the most difficult of games, during that six-game losing stretch, and in the early beginning success. So I like Deshaun Gibson. I like the weight he carries inside the locker room, where he can say something to a younger player that either – Needs to put in more effort in whether it's their study habits or practice habits. He's got a good understanding of this defense. He under, he's under he got a better understanding of the division now. So, yeah, I, I like Deshaun Gibson, and I, I would I'd like to see him, you know, return to Chicago.
1: I was also, you know, Kendall Vildor obviously is a guy who, Earned some invaluable reps and was one-on-one with Michael Thomas. Uh, I, I thought that was great experience and a toughness to him throughout the course of the his weeks in that role. Uh, that's a guy to keep an eye on as well, at least in some way, in that defense. So I was impressed with what he did overall. All right, Jim. Before we let you go, and thanks again for all the time. Look forward to it each week here uh, throughout this off season. You'll be a, a guest of ours, uh, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. So now he's he's joining the likes of a Pete Carroll and a Matt Rule and a Cliff Kingsbury going from from college to the NFL. I I don't know what the numbers are, but if Matt Rule broke the bank last year, what's a guy who's coached a national champion and uh, started Florida and Ohio State gonna earn with Jacksonville? Yeah, and I think Shad Khan
3: was gonna pay it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was reported about $12 million. It's above what Matt Rule is getting paid, which is above $9 so million. So that, that just raises everybody's, right? Yeah, and a lot of owners were not happy with that. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I mean, it
3: does. It's, uh, they're not going to here... be
1: happy with Shad Khan now either. No,
3: but Shad Khan was going to pay it. Why? Because Urban's going to put butts in the seats. You know, people are going to be excited to go watch that football team. And it's an attractive job. You know, it's an attractive job. They've got a boatload of salary cap money. They've got multiple uh, draft picks in the first round and the other rounds uh, as well. And it's an owner that's committed to really turning this around. And he wanted a, a big fish to land there. And Urban Meyer, who's won a couple of national championships, obviously some Big Ten titles as well, has had the health issues. I think he brings that cachet. Uh, I know for a fact that Shad Khan called a former NFL head coach and basically said, what do you think if I, I go through the route of Urban Meyer? He was going to do it regardless, no matter what the coach said to him. Huh. He was committed to doing it. Plus, you're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. He wants him to bring that style of, of college offense to the Jacksonville Jaguars. and It'll create a lot of hoop, hoopla, and hope and excitement for their fans that they've been sorely lacking for a long time.
2: The biggest fish might have been landed a couple of years ago, and we don't even talk about it anymore. When they talk about the hundred million dollar, ten year deal, ten million dollars a year given to Gruden for the Las Vegas team, <laughs> That's so true. it's we 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 are we've already forgotten about that. When that was the we most have. that was the most shocking deal in NFL coaching salary history, length of time and amount of money. And now here we are after Matt Rule and the owners being disappointed. Now you know, they're going to break the bake for, you know, Urban Meyer. So, I, you know, listen, don't be surprised what's what's going to happen next because, <laughs> you know, if we are, we're, we're all naive considering how badly some of these guys want
3: to put the finances forward to try to Jim, win. Jim, you
1: sure you didn't want to get back into co- You know, you, <laughs> coaching might be a whole lot better.
3: Yeah, you're not kidding. Look how I mean, just the movement uh, of of these coaches. How quickly I think, but that's the funny part, though. Is there these guys are getting longer deals now? Yeah. I mean, you look at Matt Rule's deal, a seven year deal. That that's very rare. And as as Tom mentioned, the ten year deal for John Gruden, I get that because John had an, uh, obviously a relationship with with Mark Davis. But for Matt Rule to get seven years, I mean, these are kind of uh, unheard of. I mean, normally those deals have been – if a coach normally gets five years, they basically have three years to win, right?
1: And I'm personally okay with the longer deals because, to yeah. me, it takes time. It yeah. does. And no one wants to hear that. No one likes it, that's for sure. But it, things take time. All right, Jim, we're going to let you go. <laughs> one more segment to go. Appreciate your time, buddy. All right. Have, good have a great with weekend. Guys. That's Jim Miller. And we'll have one more segment to go with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Hey, Bears fans, When shopping for your game day celebrations. Don't forget to pick up your favorite variety of Lay's potato chips and Tostitos. Tostitos and Lay's are an essential part of the game day tradition, the official chip of your Chicago Bears. Go Bears! As we look forward to 2021 with Jim Miller uh, over the course of the hour here, we're now going to look at some uh, some things going on in the league, Tom, and uh, our old friend George Payton lands uh, the general manager's job in Denver, former Bears uh, uh, director here. Uh, many years ago, left for the, the, the Miami Dolphins and then the Vikings. So he's got a ton of experience. He's interviewed many jobs, looking for the right one, and he, and he found what he thinks is the right one in Denver. What would you think?
2: Yeah, you know, he's a UCLA guy from college. He's a West Coast guy. He's got the kind of the John Elway type of mentality. Uh, I had a chance to talk to him yesterday and congratulated him because he's put in a lot of effort to be given this opportunity Turned down some efforts, but I think that when you look at him being hired on a six-year deal, so next year they're either going to fire Vic Fangio or he's going to have to get some type of extension because his first deal is going to be winding down. So he may be in the perfect place that if Vic does fail, that it's going to be him that's going to hire a new coach in Denver moving forward. So George has put himself in a really interesting spot that if Vic does succeed – and he's shown signs that he could if he gets some of the healthy talent around him. But he also may have to go out there and um, take all of his experiences and hire a new coach for the yeah, Some ownership,
1: uh, ownership issues, too, that could, yes. could change the landscape a little bit as well. We touched on Urban Meyer uh, taking over in Jacksonville. Uh, the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. as we go into the division, have picked their uh, general manager. He also carries the title of executive vice president. Brad Holmes leaving the Rams front office. Uh, son of a player uh, in the NFL. Uh, once upon a time, back in the 70s, and, and also a player himself at the college level, and has worked a long time with with the Rams. And he started out as a PR intern. So, climb the ladder.
2: Well, he's going to walk into that new facility, and the first guy he's going to meet is Chris Spielman, and Chris Spielman is going to be his right hand assistant, associate. His his work, you know. His, his work partner so uh, you know it's it's a new hire but they surrounded him by some pre-hiring experience in terms of the football mind to maybe you know not necessarily steer him in any direction but at least be a sounding board for him
1: and then you've got uh, the Vikings they'll have a new offensive play caller next year with the retirement of Gary Kubiak and it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do because they do again they got pieces they've got pieces on offense and the defense just didn't play well this year because of all the different changes but they're going to get the hunter back he'll be healthy there's some other pieces to that puzzle but i would suspect they're going to load up they played a lot of young players on defense this year
2: well they had to because they got rid of a lot of veterans and then they did reload through the draft bringing a lot of young players and just with this pandemic uh, stricken type of season, there was a lot of uncertainty week in and week out. But Mike Zimmer, the head coach, is, a, you know, he's going to, he'll be in control of the defensive side of the ball. And then, you know, when you look at Dalvin Cook and you look at Jefferson and Kirk Cousins, I guess, and you look at it, you know, the tight end group they have. They do have talent, you know. Yep. Yeah, and th- yeah, Thielen, but I mean, when you look at Jefferson, he's a superstar already. You look at Dalvin Cook, he's a superstar already. So, you know, they got a couple of important pieces in place in terms of their playmaking ability that they can go the distance whenever they touch it.
1: All right, quickly, we got about a minute and a half. Let's whip through the, the games this weekend. Uh, Saturday, Rams with Jared Goff uh, today uh, being announced the starter uh, with the bad thumb at Green Bay.
2: Don't care. Green Bay. <laughs> you don't want to talk about the playoffs? They're not going to come in here do, and beat Green do, Bay. Do you want
1: to talk about the playoffs yeah. or it just makes you mad? Yeah. All right. No, Baltimore. No, 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 Baltimore and Buffalo Saturday night. To me, that's going to be a physical affair, boy.
2: Where? Where is it? Buffalo. Okay, then I'm going to take uh, Baltimore. Why? I just think that they have experience. They're, the way their defense is playing, and when you uh, – Get Lamar Jackson, and you challenge him with a little bit of space in front of him. Yeah, you're going to get that Josh Allen's going to be able to run five to seven yards and get hit, get tackled at the end. Lamar Jackson's going to go 50, and you're never going to touch him.
1: All right, quickly, Cleveland, Kansas City. Oh, Mahomes.
2: Kansas City.
1: And Tampa Bay and New Orleans, and the Battle of Brady and Breeze. Woo.
2: I'm going to take Tampa Bay.
1: Saints, to me, the most balanced team in the National Football League, in my opinion, so I'm going to Saints at home. Drew Brees, defense is going to be tough to deal with, but we'll see what happens. All right, Tommy, we're done. Joe Ostrowski coming up next. Thanks to Jim Miller. Thank you, Tommy, and thanks to our producer, Jordan Malley, also Jordan Treadup and Dan Barilli. We'll talk to you next week here on Bears All Access. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night, everybody.